0: Oh O-T-C. Hey, oh, that's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast? that's How that. cool. you do?
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back with another episode of Oh That's Cool, OTC's very own podcast on all the people we work with here at OTC. I of course am Jared Durden and with
2: me always. Uh, my name's Andrew Crocker and sir, how you doing? We are talking to each other it is mid November. We got a week, we got a week before the break. How are you feeling?
1: I am uh honestly uh, ready for the break. It's at that point in the semester where uh we're not to the end yet, but you, you I'm starting to kind of feel the weight of things where you know we're we're in uh uh, more complex topics at this point, right? As, as the semester kind of grows in, 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 my, in my courses. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready for Thanksgiving. I'm ready for some family time.
2: Thanksgiving's well timed this year, isn't it? It's well timed. Well timed. Maybe just a little few days off will give us a little battery recharge. I find myself a little bit lower in the battery as well, but I think it's because of, uh, I was supercharged last week. I got an opportunity to go for a couple of days to the MCCA in Branson. How did that go? You know, I had a really good time doing this. It's so great to be around a population of people like we are on campus every day. But as you and I have talked about, and the reason why we started this podcast is because we're kind of like satellites on this campus, especially as faculty. We have somebody in, in staff and administration with us today, but you tend to be you tend to be satellites. And there are days that go by where you don't interact with the people who care about this stuff as much as you do. But that's literally the point. Mm-hmm. of MCCA. And, um, we need to have like a, a good, we in the MCCA faculty advisory board need to have ourselves a good heart to heart as to what we can do to get more faculty participation. Cause those people that I got a chance to be around, I had such a great time, but they were all staff. I do believe, I do believe I was the only faculty person from OTC that was there. I do believe.
1: Well, there is one challenge that, you know, it, it was on a Thursday when I was teaching co- classes all day. That's correct. Uh, yes. so I, I think, you know, you know, I, if if you could make the suggestion, if there's a way to to move move the schedule around, you you might have more mm-hmm. faculty members. I am going to though tell you though, I I've been thinking about it. I'm gonna I'm going next year. I'm gonna make sure whatever I have
2: to you do. You picked a good year to go. So it's going be next year, Union Station in St. Louis next year. So it it rotates. Okay. Yes, we move it around. Last year was virtual, but the year before it was in Kansas City. I imagine they do it in other places but uh, it was in Branson this past year a really uh, Branson this past week and that was a lot of fun as well and uh, I got a chance to, it, one of the really nice things about the fact that no other faculty went is it did give me an opportunity to like mix it up with a bunch of people I don't really spend any time with. I see uh, Todd Yerby from the Honors College mm-hmm. all the time but I actually got an opportunity to socialize, get to know him a little bit. Same thing with like Daniel Wise and the OTC Foundation her and I have really only professionally dealt with each other. It's great to get to know her as well and several other folks. I uh, had her a uh, really good evening with uh, Mr. Yerby, and Robert Randolph. I had a really good after a really good evening with Blaine Radford. It's just a good time to. Am I it am I this. remembering correctly? Mr. Yerby's joining us for the mutter. You know, he initially committed until he saw the date, Uh-oh. but we did earn a couple commits over the weekend. Uh, over the past week, one of them is Danielle Wise, and I just just recalling the conversation you and I had with Kelly Miller, where you started getting on my case about how competitive you are. Oh, yeah. uh, you you may be small fries. Compared yeah? to Daniel Wise. He might be small, right? smaller. All like right. 20 plus half marathons. Oh, wow. full marathons. Like she's going to be dragging us through this thing. All right. <laughs> but anyways, that's the reason why I feel like maybe my battery's a little bit lower than it normally is, is because I think I got so supercharged and so energetic and kind of like you. You come back and everybody's gearing down a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, just to feed your transition, that makes today's guest – so valuable for us.
1: It does. And we have brought in a very special guest uh, uh, joining us today, Mr. Jeffrey Jones. How are you, sir? I'm doing well.
0: I, I enjoy the the topics already. So but, but
2: I can't tell you how happy I am the perfect timing to bring you in. Because <laughs> kind of like Jared and I talked about this about our, our batteries running a little bit low. <laughs> Just get us a little bit of the Jeff Jones treatment. The Jeff Jones treatment. Every uh, time I interact with you you were just so you were so full of it, and <laughs> you're so full of energy is what I mean by that, but yeah,
0: oh, I've been told my whole life I'm full of it <laughs> what's your secret oh, oh, you know, uh, what coffee bean stash do you keep? you know it's typically kind of some variety of mountain dew, <laughs> really it, it truly is, <laughs> and uh i you know, I guess it's uh. You all. uh, One of the regrets I have, uh, and do you all? uh, One of the regrets I have here uh, with all of us at OTC is we don't have this opportunity. Uh, I'm going to get to learn a little bit about you all, and you know you're going to probably learn a little bit more about me than what you know. Uh, And it's a shame that we all are so busy throughout the year that we can't have a true opportunity to sit down and, and talk. Now you do.
2: You're in staff. Right. Do you consider yourself staff or administration, so I can be clear? Oh, you kind of have to leg in well, both. now,
0: uh, I have many reasons to be humble and uh, just say staff. Mm. Uh, I am the director of our disability uh, office, so I do have several people that report to me.
2: Yeah, but you, you, as a result, you are in the lap of several other co-workers, the opportunity to mix it up a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. And I worked in a bank for several years. And me I too. for I would prefer working at OTC over any place but especially a bank but the one thing that a leg the, the bank has a leg up on is that you are in each other's face mm. a lot you get to know each other you get to build a little bit of that camaraderie in a way that I feel like lacks a little bit not to criticize but it's a fact of life we we are spending our time around students. For
1: example when I worked at the bank I worked at a night shift as a teller and uh, my coworkers and I started developing a musical uh, about banking which was just basically us dancing and singing when yeah. there was no one pulling in uh, something like transaction, action anyways.
2: That's going to be by the way, uh, that profession is going to be like the next milkman like the, the generation before us maybe Jeff's generation. As things get more you computerized.
0: Oh yeah I remember Milgrams.
2: And like well Jared and I are going to be coming up and be like, are you remember tellers? <laughs> they do all the stuff that machines do for you now you remember tellers? I used to i'll give you another outdated profession do you guys happen to remember the great springfield institution of stakeout do you remember delivery steak yes oh, yeah, right, right down the there way. in chestnut yeah. when i was 16 or 17 i spent a semester answering the phones for them so they don't i don't think that position exists anymore the phone person for a delivery stake. <laughs> do you remember steak
0: Oh, vaguely. Steakums.
2: My grandma
1: loved steakums and always had them in the <laughs> freezer, and so I always thought that some I somehow got those two things mixed up in my head, and I went to steak out thinking, ah, I'll get some steakums and.
2: A, a steakums are they a, a steak related product. <laughs> like so.
1: the, yeah they're like this frozen kind of steak meat sliced product. Okay.
2: Well, as a result, we would just to kill time. And that—that that is the great passion of these part-time jobs when you're coming up. It's just finding creative ways to kill time. You would think of all the ways you could answer the phone creatively without getting in trouble with superiors. So you know, <laughs> thank you for calling Steak Out. We make meat fun. Anything, anything you can say and get away with it. That's a very important part. So it doesn't come back on you <laughs> We did something similar because
1: we noticed that people were in such a routine this is again at the bank when they would pull up <laughs> that they really weren't paying attention to what what you said so if what you said kind of sounded like it people when people come up we'd be we'd say things like uh, bacon and, and just like say words but say them in a certain tone and they they never noticed but, And it was usually breakfast related actually because we'd
2: say you know oh steak and eggs give me your favorite give me your favorite coming up jeff jones give me your favorite part time job or at least a favorite part-time job you like to tell stories about oh that's a good question
0: <laughs>
2: where is the where does the jeff jones origin story start
0: Man, before you became the superhero you are favorite today, favorite part-time job, custodial. Where for my brother-in-law and sister? Incredible! You think you got it made working for your your sister? Oh no. No, <laughs> they would come in after me. And, you know, I'm as reckless as any other young person trying to, to earn money and uh, supplemental money uh, as I'm going to school. And so they, uh, they took me on. I was a reasonably hard worker, uh, reasonably showed up on time. Uh, but I'll be darned, man, my, uh, my, uh, loving older sister, she could, she could find something in a corner like nobody's business. So I have a lot of respect. So, uh, for our custodial team and maintenance. And I let Raymond Wade know whenever I see people scrubbing baseboards and I see them vacuuming corners. And so it, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of, there's some very humorous, uh, stories with some of that, uh, but I don't know. Is it uh, this is PG thirteen, right? Andrew? That's what I would rate it. Uh, as. <laughs> uh, anything associated with restrooms, yes, uh, can uh, you can go in and think? All right, well, I've cleaned this office now on weekends for three years in a row, and you know you, you're used to things that you've. Uh, Scene and, uh, and especially if I might add, uh, the different seasons and, uh, elimination. So imagine, uh, but, uh, there were some pretty, uh, there were some pretty ugly scenes. Uh, I was there for the aftermath. Which, which season is the worst?
2: <laughs> which season is the worst? Um, I have a guess.
0: Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I was afraid. I just didn't know how how deep we needed to go on this, man. I think it went deep enough. So, uh,
1: tell us uh, just tell us about yourself, your relationship to
0: the college. If our listeners don't know you already. Oh, you guys, man! And you gave me such a fantastic lead-in. Uh, where, uh, and I, I really hope to put this to the test. And I've got a fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I call us a, a, a group of all stars. Um, and, uh, I have 35 plus years in the field of, or this field, uh, as I define it, you know, human services. I started earlier in that. I worked at a grocery store. Um, uh, and my goodness, I could tell you some really funny things about that, that still involve bodily illumination. Uh, however, uh, the, the neat thing is, uh, you see people come and go. And if you really want to know where I'm at in my life here at age 58 is I am defined by all of those folks who took the time to be patient, to invest in me, uh, to teach me, uh, to forgive me. Um, and I really am at a, a point in my life where, you know, there's probably more behind me than there is ahead of me. And so I call the team of folks that I work with in DSS as the All-Stars. Uh we see people come and go and I treasure and I value that. Uh you know, being younger and and I like using the word reckless because that's exactly how I was. Uh I you know, I I thought the rest of the world oh, or the rest of my life I'll worry about that then. But you know, as you get a little bit older and you start recognizing that and meeting people that come in and out of your, your life through the jobs, uh, some of them, when they leave, it hurts. Because you recognize their talent. You recognize the value that they have to you as a human being. Uh, like when you're down, I, I promise you right now, with the team of folks that we have in our office, if I ever come in any less than who I am naturally, happy, I'll have, I mean, that won't last long. Uh, our office, the investment that we make in one another, and I'm so glad to be able to speak to that, Andrew. Thank you for that question. Um, it, it's just, it's incredible. And what we see when we all work together in, uh, faculty and, and staff, uh, you do see a, just a natural, genuine sincerity from each of us in that we do, we're there to serve. And what a collection of all-stars. I yeah. really, what a testimony. They're incredibly giving. Um, uh, it, it's just amazing to see, uh, not to mention the talent uh, that comes in with how to mitigate uh, difficulties that students are having. Because, uh, uh, frankly, we wouldn't have a job if there weren't difficulties. It's just amazing. amazing. I do want to echo something that you said. And, uh, I, uh, Jared and anybody
2: that has worked a job will back up the fact that <laughs> the quality of your coworkers <sighs> is a, um, what are they saying? There, there's a, there's a mathematical term. It's like a, a it's a multiplier or something like that. Like it okay. multiplies, first of all, the difficulties of a job. If you don't have mm-hmm. the crew around you that you need. Mm -hmm. But, of course, conversely here at OTC, like the political science department, my coworker, Kara Griffin, uh, also teaches full time here. And her and I work really well together. And I tell you what, like there are days that are tougher than others. And those tougher days, it's great to have that team on Mm -hmm. your side that can support you and and really uh, strengthen, you know, feed into your strengths Lift you when you're down. Give you the energy infusion, which is why I was happy that we got to bring you on today.
0: <laughs> now,
2: the students do it too. And you know what? I agree with you. There are some students, and especially since I, I, I sponsor co-sponsor at least a student organization. Like we just have <clears throat> Politically Active president just moved to North Carolina. And so, we're in the market for a new one. But losing, uh, losing that particular student is a backbreaker because mm-hmm. the stuff that she used, the talents that she brought – uh, you just can't, you can't, if anybody can do it, anybody
0: would. But she, she was extraordinary in that regard. Yeah. And again, uh, it's, it's fun. If you would have, uh, if we would have been doing this 10 years ago, I'd have had a completely different perspective. Uh, however, you know, I tend to reminisce uh, about the qualities of those people that are no longer around me. And I really do uh significantly value uh how they contributed to to my development. I know that sounds very vain, uh, but here I'm left standing. Uh and um uh, they may be off doing whatever they needed to be doing and, and that's a good thing, but I'm left standing as a better person because of their interaction with me. I completely agree. We I oh haven't, you know?
2: OTC just lost um a long-time adjunct, one-time lead instructor for PLS, John Witt. Did you ever get a chance to meet – James Witt, sorry. Uh-huh. Did you ever get a chance to interact with James, James Witt? James.
0: Oh, my God. James. The thing about James, I, his student ratings. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, was,
2: I get so frustrated with ridiculous. those. Ridiculous. I bend over backwards for my students and his just like jogging
0: ahead of mine. Ridiculous. <laughs> What a wonderful human being. Absolutely. Uh, oh, and he profoundly, uh, you all have had impacts on me. You don't, you, the one fun thing about my job is, uh, so many years into this field, I do expect myself to have a, a very high degree of expertise. Don't you ever doubt though that we draw from you all. There was a person named Mary Ann Crocker once oh, upon yeah. a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's did. had, she's had, she's had some influence on my life. I just to be <laughs> clear. <laughs> I'm serious. If I, uh, and that's the one thing, if I go back and I start reminiscing about all those wonderful people in my life, invariably I'm going to rip somebody off. Hmm. Um, we learn from you. That's what I'm trying to say is uh, thank you for counting on us to have expertise and to know the Americans with Disability Act, its amendment. The Rehab Act of 72, Section 504. Thank you for expecting us to understand that. However, though, uh, one of the neatest things about the Americans with Disabilities Act Amendment is its ability to try to recognize more individuals as having a disability or being perceived as having. So think about the communication that I've had with you two, for sure, uh, just as a, qu- a query Jeff, might they be eligible? Or Jeff, I have this student with the situation. That is the beautiful thing, and I mean beautiful because OTC sends me to national conferences of people who do what I do. We have a nice cohesive group. I mean, uh, well, sorry, group is, 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 is rips rips us off. All of us have the ability to know, negotiate. Um, whether I go to maintenance and ask for something, a uh, department chair, an individual instructor, uh, a dean, uh, there is an openness that I and what I have to say or any of our team will be received. And that is what that's the spirit we operate in the spirit of these laws uh, that, uh, are, are meant to make sure that we, uh, preservation of, of, of students' rights.
1: I'm, I'm glad you brought this up too, because sometimes it can be really challenging as an instructor to know how to kind of address that kind of a situation, right? So you, you see something, you see a student struggling and you, you don't want to offend the student. You don't want to mischaracterize the student, but there seems to be a, uh, the student would, would would benefit in some way from having that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, how How do we best go about that as an instructor so we so if we we see a student that we we think might benefit from your office, what's the best way to 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 address that and and work with you guys in helping that student
0: um what i really will uh and and hopefully what we can do here is just promote what what we do even that much more um i absolutely and being old fashioned uh and I know and recognize the fact that time. Uh, is is so critical, and we never have enough of it. Anytime we can get a face-to-face interaction or a telephone call, uh, let's always try to do that. Um, Jared, uh, I know uh, dozens upon dozens of times I've sent emails and it left something short or it left a person not getting what they need. Um, so what I would suggest is if you... As instructors, you all know who's getting it and maybe who's not. And if anyone ever suggests anything to the degree that they've historically had difficulties. Uh, oh, my goodness, Jared, with physics, people are always I mean, there might be. Well, there's folks that either are in there and they love it uh, or there's ones that it's having to be required. And not that, Andrew, it's not the same for you. Um you're going to detect that someone's not getting it. And because of who you all are and how you two especially will, will query or you'll meet with the student and you'll ask him, you know, you'll, you know, is there something uh, Are you not getting the course material uh, or is there something I can do to assist you? And if somebody will share anything related to, you know, historically, I've just not done well. Uh, and that is a nice segue for you to politely and respectfully take it just a step further and, uh, and say, uh, you know, uh, when you say historically you've struggled, did, did you have any, did you ever have any support with that? Um, hmm. and, uh, that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah. And, you know, most of us want to go about doing our jobs in a way that dignifies a student and respects them, they're a student. And then there are times when you will take that extra step and ask them. It's not as if we can't talk about these things. And in my wonderful 35 years, believe me, we talk a lot more about things now than whenever I first started. Oh, my goodness. Um, we're just more open and we need to be. We need to be, oh my goodness, mental health issues as they are uh, throughout the nation, throughout the world. Oh my goodness, we got to be talking about this stuff. But uh, any of your natural ways that you guys go about instructing, uh, you you guys are in tune with your students. There there has been an added
2: emphasis on mental health throughout the pandemic. Throughout the pandemic, have you noticed changes in mental health or do you think we are just shining a brighter light on the issues that were already there.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, man, that, that is uh, – I feel like I'm uh, freaking Mickey Mantle, and you just threw a fastball right down the middle on that one. Thank you. Uh, I, I have said uh, to colleagues in my office um, – these times are a changing it is it is there is in my opinion and in my observation nobody is immune to some of the the disasters that are happened to the the catastrophes to the 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 trauma Um uh covid it just it just lit the fuse more um uh (laughs) I, I just, uh, I know nobody, and sorry for the inappropriate grammar there, that has been immune from death, misfortune, uh, calamity of some kind, especially Andrew, since COVID. So yes, it's, it seemed to almost amplify it. Uh, but what was coming was coming. I, I, we, this society, um, and listen to me sound like my, my grandfather. Uh, this society just demands so much of us. I mean, and, and everything that we do and, and if we take, you know, if we feel as if we need to take personal responsibility and initiative for doing our part in the world, there's no way we could come away with feeling anything less than guilt. Because, you know, a person who has one or two family members perish as a result of COVID, what do we say? What can we really do? I mean, what intervention could be made? I think that's one of the reasons why
2: we are seeing the phenomenon that is often called, often nicknamed the great resignation right now. I think that's why, like in October, the last month, 4.4 million people quit their jobs. Now, most of them found work elsewhere, but that's the point. 4.4 million people. That's the population of Kentucky, just FYI. Mm. An entire Kentucky just got up from the desk and said, I quit. I think that we all know we're in the meat grinder and have known we've been in the meat grinder for a good long while. And something about the pandemic crystallized the fact that I don't have to, you know, crystallize what was truly important in our lives and what we truly value. Or maybe it realigned it. And as a result, you're seeing a gigantic rejiggering of people who decide that work shouldn't be as big a part of their lives as it has been or that work needs to offer different things. If this job's not going to allow me to work remotely, many, many, many people are saying, then I will find the job that does. And so it's interesting how a nation of... A nation of people that are all juggling their mental health can actually have their eyes opened through this horrific pandemic that's killed more people than, you know, entire U.S. states have populations. We use that as an opportunity to realign our values. And for the folks that do that, Godspeed. I hope they come out on the better end of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Don't you figure? Andrew, I. uh, Oh, that. uh, And and again, not uh, saying that. Uh, we recognizing all the tremendous loss that has occurred to people. Uh, as you were saying that a, a, a wonderful warmness grew from my heart and, <laughs> and then I smiled because that, that is a more positive way to focus on some of the devastation that we see. And I absolutely love that, uh, that yes, maybe I kind of had a more fatalistic view on that. I was, I'm, uh, for all the things that I'm excited about and why I am who I am and try to generate the enthusiasm I have while, you know, and whatever I do, um, I, I kind of had a more of a negative, negative approach to that. And I absolutely enjoy hearing what you say about that is that maybe people have stopped, reevaluated, and are trying to reprioritize. Uh and and recognize that we do have limits and the the toll it takes on our on on us physically. Uh and uh because listen, I
2: listen to the uh the politicians talk about this nonstop. And people quitting the workforce is quote unquote bad politically. And what they're doing is they just are lacking the work ethic that is what is truly American. Like I hear this is not partisan, it is bipartisan rhetoric that I'm quoting to your face right now. But um, I just think that's a really reductive way of measuring this. One thing we saw during the height of unemployment, unemployment got up to like 14% during the pandemic. And a lot of states, including the federal government, boosted unemployment insurance during that time. And as we're kind of winding down over the last year or so, a lot of states, including Missouri, are like, we got to get these people back on the work, back on the back on the work rolls. And they slashed the unemployment, the pandemic unemployment back down to like normal levels. There we go. And what have we seen since then? Unemployment rates haven't really changed. They're chugging along at the rate they're going to. They were it's not that people were living high on the hog dining on caviar on their COVID funded boats. Instead <laughs> uh, they have used this opportunity to kind of reassess where they exist in our country, in our society and in what, what their job can do for them. Kind of, they had a, uh, the reverse of the John F. Kennedy moment. (laughs) Not what can I do for my company? What Uh, can
0: my company do for me? Absolutely. You know, that's funny. Uh, uh, In trying to prep a little bit for today, uh, uh, I I really did. I have reflected back to Kennedy and and what he says. uh, And then I hope uh, all of us uh, can really, uh, uh, and and we'll make it a little bit more personal, uh, what can we give back to our friends our families somebody we don't even know uh, the, the, just some of the neatest things uh, is to just be able, or one of the neatest things that I, I get to do uh, is get out and, and take a take a walk about campus and see uh, I, <laughs> Uh, sorry, I, I was really going to try to limit individuals uh, because there's so many great ones here. Um, I, I just I, I it's on my heart to say Philip Duncan. Uh, if you know Philip Duncan, uh, he's with our uh, custodial maintenance team. Uh, he's been with OTC a little bit, I think, a little bit longer than me. And I've been with him over 19 years. That that man is friendly He'll just go as he's doing his job here in ICE. I think it's first floor. Uh, and if there's a student over there kind of isolated, he'll just go over and say hi. So, but I see a lot of people do that. And I'm just p- picking on Philip here on this. Philip Duncan. I'm smelling a future episode. I am too. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Philip, Philip's a dandy. Philip, uh, you talk about, uh, someone with a genuinely caring heart caring spirit. Yeah. Uh, but Andrew, thank you. Uh, I read a lot. I listen a lot. Uh, and, uh, uh, I would like to think that people are seeking new opportunity to define themselves through their talent, through their work, uh, and as a result, uh, improve their lot in life.
1: So, on that note, um something we like to ask our guests um, is uh, tell us someone that you look up to, someone that's inspired you a hero, um someone that the listeners may not know about, someone that you would like to kind of hold up and share. oh my gosh
0: there's probably or some people have probably, more than one probably twenty five literally <laughs> somewhere in the middle there uh I might go uh I'm going to say I'll say it like this, and it, it sounds just a tad morbid. Uh, I think what has shaped, and and thank you so much, by the way, for letting me uh, talk about some of this stuff because because it really is it's very valuable, uh, and it's it's something that I've worked through. Uh, it just didn't come naturally. Uh, I, I'm really defined more by those who have passed away already, uh, or more of those co-workers that may have had that positive influence on me um, and uh, are no longer uh, working or possibly not even alive. Uh, so it makes me hang on tighter right now. So those folks that I work with down there in Sweet 116, man, heaven help you. I, You know, I'm not ever letting you guys go. <laughs> I, I got to say, you know, I have... My grandfather on my dad's side, uh, gosh, born in 1915 and, uh, just in Conway, Arkansas and, uh, had cystic fibrosis as a kid and was never really, if he was 4H, I guess, when it came to World War II, um. But he wanted to contribute. So like so many Americans, he did a uh, he migrated out to uh, Seattle and worked in shipyards and did whatever he could. Uh, And then, you know, uh, post World War Two, he resumed a life uh, and uh, went to school, got uh, he always called himself a bookkeeper. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure he was a certified accountant uh met my grandmother and so I got to see him as I grew, grew up and and again he was physically frail but oh my gosh his mind was incredible i mean he was the most active uh person in politics that i i i've ever seen and so much so that even up at age 86 um he uh, wanted to buy a computer <laughs> 86 he said, uh, he said, Jeff, I, I gotta get a computer. I gotta get active. I gotta get, uh, out there and, and, uh, remain in contact because he had always done things by phone and by mail. And I mean, he was, uh, it, sorry, he lived in Kansas City. I skipped a whole bunch of stuff there, married my grandma and all that good stuff. But there he was, 86, <laughs> trying to, trying to reconnect in modern ways. His mind was, he's was always wanting to learn and was always ready. He's a staunch Democrat. He was always ready for a debate and he did his homework. There was nothing idle. I remember my uh, dad gave him the best compliment I, I've ever heard my dad give anybody was that he always knew what he was talking about. So anyway, I'll tell you all that about that wonderful, Human being. I hope. I hope that's how I age, uh, staying active. Uh, both
2: my ah. both my parents who are still with us, uh, well, extremely healthy and very, very active, both of them. And I hear people talk about retirement sometimes. Just, just like I'm just gonna go. Like my father-in-law. My father-in-law is retired, and he's just like I can't just wait to get out. I just go fishing on Beaver Lake in Arkansas. I go yeah. fishing on Beaver Lake, and that's just. Just like to hang back and chill out. I'm like, I just, I, got, I just, who knows how I'll be 30 years from now, yeah. but I just can't fathom the idea of being idle for that long. And I appreciate not to bash it, different strokes for different folks, but I just, I have to remain active, I believe.
0: I, I think you are, uh, genetically predispositioned yeah. to uh, knowing, knowing at least one member of family yeah. and seeing you. Uh, I think you can bask in the comfort of knowing that, that you will.
2: Uh, I hope. Yeah. Being
0: informed and being uh it, it just comes with that sense of nationalism and the pride that we get with knowing about our what, knowing what we need to know about our country and and doing the best we can as individuals to support it. Jerry, Jerry are you going to keep the wheels
2: moving when you retire. Do you think you're just going to park that bus and take it I, easy?
1: Well, actually, we've talked about. uh getting uh some kind of mobile home that we you know, can travel the country we've talked about that too yeah and um i think one of our dreams is uh we, we we camp a lot and we camped out in the redwood forest and i guess the national forests like have these rotating like camp uh, what's the word for it like your. uh whole monitors kind of right mm. like you go in and yeah. you kind camp of keep hosts. camp hosts right and and you kind of volunteer to do those things i don't know if they pay you or not and, and we thought oh that would be great and just kind of jump around national parks and uh I, I think ultimately and i don't know that i'll i'll necessarily win out on this one but uh i i want to live on a beach far away i think <laughs> but just when i'm when i'm done you know what i mean and uh, that sounds fun, too. So, make yeah, up,
2: definitely. I'm, I, I don't think I'll make be idle. Make up for lost time, too. This gentleman you're sitting across from, Jeff, he went to college in Miami, spent zero time at the beach. You're on <laughs> oh, record.
1: Not zero, but uh, not very, not mm-hmm. as much as I expected. Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: You are a focused individual, if you <laughs> will allow me to add that. You are. Focused? You are a very focused individual. I try. Absolutely. It's reflected in your style and your work and your commitment to what you do. Uh. Sorry, that's just me as a social Appreciate observer. It, we'll cut that out. <laughs> we're going to cut that out. <laughs> oh, so what's fun? Let me let me ask you this, Jared. Uh what do you envision when it's over? What do, what uh, with you, where you're at right now? As you said, well, you know, when it's over, uh you hope to. Uh do you have an idea of what uh uh, and I'm asking merely for I'm wondering myself when am I going to say it's over? I have no idea. Isn't it fascinating though to to no try idea. to? I don't feel anywhere close to that. No, but,
1: you know, no. I hope sorry. I hope you don't. <laughs> I, I yeah. I I don't really know. Like I mean, when do you, you know? Because I because I I still you know I don't want to. I don't know. I I'd like to say, Oh, I don't want to spend my whole life working, but I mean I enjoy the work I do. Right. And if mm-hmm. as long as I've been enjoying the work mm-hmm. but you know, I mean a a big part of my life too is is I, I like to create and so, you know, um uh I, I'll I'll probably always be doing that in some form, but so so I, I think I just mean retire, but then when I retire I'm not convinced that I'll
0: Yeah. You're <laughs> as you talk, not
2: do anything, you know, as you opened our podcast, Jeff, talking a little bit about what, you know, showing up to work. Sometimes you're not a hundred percent and it's good to have those people in the office to get you there. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when you teach uh, for, at least for me, and I'm sure I speak for Jared and a lot of my coworkers, that'll get you there. That'll get you there. Uh, talking about a, a really fun subject to a bunch of engaged uh, students. I, sh- I was almost going to say kids, but these days the population is more mixed. Uh, it's just That'll gear you up quicker than most things Mm -hmm. in your life. And oddly enough, I think about this sometimes when I I have uh, two kids under the age of seven at home. And it's just, I need to get to work to get away. It's kind of, an, it's an interesting way of thinking about it. It's so stressful at home dealing with, you know, you're responsible for these two souls. There's no manual. You make massive mistakes <laughs> no every manual, day. Man. My six-year-old's going off to elementary school with all kinds of tics and quirks. And I'm like, well, no, there you go. Sorry. And I think in the last episode, too, you were double-checking to make sure they didn't have some kind of... I'm concerned. There are psychopaths. I still am, <laughs> oh, by the way. Still am. Well, Kelly well, okay. Miller did not... I think it went a little far, but... Kelly Miller did not dissuade me from that. I think... That,
0: <laughs> well, let's just—if they start selecting old VWs when they're age 16, let's talk a little bit more. There's kind of a pattern for those folks. Uh, we got an ant farm, and my six-year-old was
2: like, "Look at this!" And she just slapped the ant farm, like down on the ground, on the, uh, flat on the counter, and picked it back up. It's intact. The answer's still in there, but the civilization they built for themselves on the whim of a <laughs> six year old human just got completely upended I'm i don't sorry. i'll need to check in here in a couple of days how many of them have died but i'm like uh, I wonder if she feels anything i got I, I've been thinking about psychopaths nonstop
1: oh uh. <laughs> I have to admit though as uh, at that age, uh, there was uh, some interest in oh i can cover the top of the ant hole and watch the chaos happen. Right. So oh, yeah. I, I might, I might relate a little, maybe, <laughs> maybe you've got a young physicist
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. I do. or a, a person who's interested in chaos theory, <laughs> a mathematician, <laughs> <Sorry>. perhaps. <laughs> oh, oh speaking of, so let's get
1: to the important question. Uh, battle to the death Gumby v- versus Mr. Ed who wins
2: and why don't, don't, Hey, don't rush to an answer. Don't rush to an answer. This is being recorded and will be shot into space. Gumby versus... Future civilizations will know your answer here, sir.
0: Gumby versus Mr. Ed. Oh. Might versus Mr. Ed. And why? Superior strength. Superior strength?
2: Yeah. Biting power. I will say, you know... (laughs) I don't know what the limits of Gumby's strength are. I mean, nothing seems to kill the guy, but I don't know if we have any feats from him that suggest he is some massive horse stomping machine. I, so you do raise, you do raise an interesting
0: point. I, you know, oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, so I'm a product of how I was raised. It just <laughs> might, <How>? uh, might, <laughs> you know. I, and I, uh, it's it's intimidating. <laughs> Whoops, sorry. That might be a little bit about my childhood and upbringing, so I'll back out. But uh, um, that is a clever question. Mm -hmm. I may have just underestimated Gumby.
2: No one knows. There's got to be some breakdown as to what the answer says about you as a person. I was listening to this really great All-American Life, or what was the name of the... uh, npr podcast but i was listening to this podcast that was being guest hosted by john hodgman and he was asking people would you prefer to be invisible would you prefer to fly and they had these psychologists who said the question is all about how much you want to be seen because if you're flying everybody sees you but if you're invisible literally by definition nobody can and so there's got to be something in the gumby question there's more
1: nuance to that though because what if you <sighs> you could be a stealthy flyer or if you're flying at it's really true. high
2: altitudes it's true Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that is quite a question. What would you prefer? Invisible, invisibility, or flight, Mr. Jones? Oh, man. <laughs> My first question would be, how fast can I fly? If I can fly as fast as I can run, invisibility all day. But if I, <laughs> if I can, like like a bullet train, get to St. Louis in like half an hour, count me in.
0: Oh, I I am fascinated by flight. Totally fascinated. Uh, Do you ever uh, recur in dreams about flight? Well, no, I won't go too, into too great of a reverie here. I just have a passion for waterfowl. Okay. And especially waterfowl by the hundreds, if not thousands. So,
2: I just because, just FYI, just because you can fly does not mean that they're going to accept you into their society. <laughs> I know. Doesn't I like, mean they're not, though. I, like <laughs> I, I suppose flying. it's all about your approach.
0: I'm flying second left, and that big V is snow geese, you know. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Scott Levin might be the it's only one. It's a beautiful that appreciates dream. That. Yeah. Can see Oh, Robert Clark would probably like that. I believe. <laughs> yes, I he believe would, he yeah. Is. Uh, those two are waterfowl experts. I'm just a ham and egger, man. I, just, I don't use a call. I normally let them land and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, you guys, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Are you a, are you a hunter? Is that what you, that what you're suggesting? You know, that's funny. Uh, that you ask, uh, Oh my goodness. I used to love it. It was a way I could bond with my dad and my dad's hunting buddy next to my 86 uh, year old grandfather. Uh, my dad's hunting buddy, w- retired mm-hmm. world, world war two, uh, uh, pilot, bomber pilot. Never wanted to talk about it ever, but my dad was fascinated by it because he was in the cold war. And it was in Germany and so much ex post facto. Uh, but man, that guy would, he just would real politely and respectfully, uh, say to my father, whether we were fishing or hunting, just like, you know, John, man, every time I deployed something, it just, it just meant that, uh, someone was going to be harmed. He said, I did my, my job for my country. He said, but but uh, uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, oh, I used to love hunting. I did, I did, I did. Uh, and then uh, I became more fascinated with watching ducks come into a, a group of decoys. And, uh, I was fascinated by the aerodynamics and the cupping of the wings. And so there are a few times I got that so, stuff is, it is actually super fascinating. It, yeah. It, I, I, you know, Jared, you could probably figure out some of the, the funkiness of the, of the aerodynamics of that. I just thought it was amazing and how deft and adroit they were. Uh, and I got to where I ended up watching them more than i cracked them Hmm. and my dad caught me one time and he was madder than a hornet Hmm. and he said are you gonna just sit there are you gonna shoot him and i remember saying to him when i was 15 or 16 dad i don't know (laughs) and that perturbed him he was like we need meat and i was like well wait a minute he's working my mom's working i mean yeah. But anyway, yeah, I it was a interesting uh, it was a diversion from a path that my father So
2: I um my daughter and I were checking out different animals on YouTube and one we both gravitated to we were snow owls and one thing you learn <gasps> about owls is um they make you can you can put a microphone stronger than this under their bodies while they glide down and swoop down and you won't hear them. That's how they're so effective at killing. Uh, they're so effective at killing because you just absolutely can't hear them going. You could put even like, you know, uh, eagles don't need to be quiet, but you put an eagle under a microphone. You can hear them fly even quietly. You can you can pick up sounds. You hear almost no sounds. That sound wave barely blips when an, when an owl flies right over a microphone. They are so quiet. Unbelievable, super unbelievable. And, and so that's actually super fascinating. Uh, bird. I, I just have a small little niche interest in uh, bird physiology, <laughs> absolutely. Bird aerodynamics.
1: That would be about shape and texture, right?
2: sure yeah mm-hmm. but the question is when they're out on a perch and they see something down below and they swoop down there's a whole series of microphones tracking the sounds that they're making super yeah. sensitive microphones no sound other than l- initially leaving the perch no sound whatsoever is pretty, pretty fascinating <laughs> so we we brought you in
1: uh today jeff um to ask one uh main question and, and i think the topic we've we've kind of hinted at a little bit, but, uh, you know, given the, the time in the semester, given, um, everything going on in our world, uh, in our country, in our state, um, how can we be more kind, especially in situations where people aren't necessarily being kind to us?
0: Well, that is, um, and, and that lets me go back and, uh, that 86 year old grandfather that I was talking about, uh, of course he grew more feeble and unfortunately, uh, as, as a matter of fact, I, I believe is, oh, it's tuberculosis. I said, uh, forgive me. I said cystic fibrosis. Believe it or not, it came back in his, in his, uh, Ultimately, that was his demise. But we were out one time, a storm had blown through Kansas City and blew a bunch of shingles off of his home. Uh, and so he was out there and, you know, I was the youngest and my uncle was there. Uh, so, you know, his, his stepson. And so I was, uh, carrying these big things of shingles up on and, and my uncle did the skilled work. Uh, and so there we were, three men, different generations talking. And there was my 86-year-old uh, grandfather yelling up uh, to me, and I had just started with OTC, uh, and so he was asking me what I did. And so the more I told him, the, the happier he got. And uh, he said, son, if I could have lived my life over, I often thought that serving your fellow man was the better way to go. Because he had gone, and he said, I went for business and with his bookkeeping and his accounting and so so that when you have someone that you revere you grow up and you revere and you have that said to you I, I still get goosebumps whenever i think about it um how we can do it uh and i uh, kind of had mentioned to you guys that uh, one of the, one of the books that's my most favorite uh, is uh, charles dickens a christmas carol uh and, um, the, the neatest line. And I used to, uh, at Thanksgiving, I'd kick off the, the holiday celebration by reading, uh, the part in there where, where the Ebenezer's, uh, nephew talks about the holidays as being that one time when we we're all just a little bit nicer to one another. We, we see the world a little bit friendlier. Uh, Jared. I'm firmly convinced, uh, and then throw in that old crusty uncle that was there with me. Uh, he, his motto, and he was a concrete man. He owned his own business. Uh, interesting thing. And I don't think he would rain down from on high on me for saying this. That man made five fortunes, but he was married and divorced five times. But anyway, he, he said the way a person could live their life, if they could live it in a way to where they were just, they killed people with kindness. If someone can just stop, like many people do on this campus, uh, but if we could stop and and just validate another human being, you know, that was that was a pretty good thing you just did there. Uh, and I know you all, uh, as a practice, you all do that. Uh, but Jared, in, in in these times when people are so overburdened with emotion. Uh, it really is uh, taking a moment and just maybe just genuinely saying is, <clears throat> is there a trick to it? Yes. Uh, thank you. Because in the interest of being genuine and, and not sounding like some phony, it takes work. Uh, and like I said, I, uh, I, I love to try to be someone there for someone to be able to motivate them and support them. Oh, but don't I enjoy those that do that for me and recharge, recharge a battery for me. Uh, so yeah, it takes a lot of work. Um, you remember that? Uh, I am sorry. I I can't remember the title, uh, the exact title, but, uh, uh, Tom Hanks just did that a year or so back. Um, Oh my goodness! Tom Hanks did. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, the childhood Mister Rogers. Yeah. Did you see that? I didn't uh, see that. I saw the. Um, I saw the the Mister Rogers documentary. I saw that. In this movie, it was remarkable because if we look at Mister Rogers, we think, "Oh man, that guy's ready to go all the time." Fred Rogers? Are you kidding? There was a there was an actual there was a a, a part in that movie that just stopped me. And just really stopped the world for me when the interviewer or the guy that was doing the, the expose or whatever it was on him, uh, said to Fred Rogers' wife, you know, is it, what's it like being married to a guy who's always upbeat and all that? And, and the way I perceived that it, by her reply was, don't do that to him. He works hard. It's not easy. Um, and I think, uh, forgive me, I, I, it matters to me uh, at this, again, this point in my life, with all these wonderful people that have trained me and selfless individuals. Um, remember, I, I grew up playing sports. I want a trophy, man. I want a ribbon. What was your sport? Oh, my gosh. I got to play baseball in college.
1: Fantastic. What yeah. was your position?
0: I played center field, uh-huh. left field. But I could not play shortstop. What well, college? Uh, I got to play over at Evangel. Oh, excellent. My, oh, how about that? My first game ever. And this is the fun thing is, uh, to say, all right, well, you played NAIA. My first game ever as a freshman was down at U of A, man, with the hogs in Hogville. And there I am starting and. Got a double the first time up, man. So, I mean, it's fun. I know that's total vanity, but I look back on that. And, uh, but I was dime a dozen by the end. I, I, I wasn't able to get that.
2: I, I hope I can exercise compassion effectively. And like all people, I fall short all the time. But you know what helps me more than anything is zooming out and remembering the big picture and refocusing where I am in the map of things. I do get frustrated when a student uh, doesn't seem to be as engaged in the material as I wish they were, and they're shooting me an email in late November or in the spring in late April, my grade's in trouble, what can I do, and I get irritated with it. Until I zoom out some and I'm like, well, this can be a defining moment for this person that I can be a helpful source of giving them something that perhaps they don't exactly, quote unquote, deserve, but could benefit from nonetheless. What's the grander mission here? Is the grander mission that they learn the material, or is the grander mission that I get all the assignments turned in exactly the way I Mm -hmm. want them whenever I want them turned in? So, zooming out has helped me a lot. Uh, When I talk, about uh, when I'm in uh, policy arguments with people, I try to remember the fact that we're all somebody's son or daughter and I wouldn't want anybody talking to my daughters disrespectfully. So I try to remember that. So my trick is zooming out. Now, I don't know. Please tell me if you're in your experience, does zooming out, help you or is it actually zooming in on a person. I can understand how that might help some people or does it just purely depend? Where does your compassion come from when it's challenging? <clears throat>
0: Zooming out, hands down, uh, it's a wonderful, uh, thing that you just said it, uh, if we can reframe, uh, Refra- reframing is a great way of what, it. if we can reframe what, what our objective is or, or what the, what the, the motivation is, uh, uh, Andrew, that's incredible. I, I thank you for reminding me of that. That, uh, yeah, you have to zoom out, and I have to think. Wait a minute, and that is one of the things <clears throat> to tie into what we do in our office day in day out is uh, when we're looking down and we're, we're trying to determine individual accommodations. And you're you're absolutely right. Uh, we've got to figure out is it. What's the objective here? Is that a student. Failed, uh, to meet the timeline right for an assignment or, um, forgive me. Is, is the essential function for some, for someone to be able to be timely with turning in that assignment? Or are we trying to figure out what they mastered from that material? And I know I'm not saying that we throw away time, uh, time deadlines. I'm just saying, right, yeah uh, but Andrew, that's exactly what you would explain is fundamentally what we do. And, yeah. When, when things really start getting thick, uh, you got to step back. And, uh, that is where I have some, again, that support within our team, uh, that will say, well, wait a minute. You're going to think about that for a while. Uh, cause I'm, I, I like to give answers in that moment. Um, uh, but no, a lot of what we have to do is reflect back. Uh, and that's to,
1: really important, right? Taking all, when you say zooming out, not just zooming out, but stepping back taking some time write the email don't send it yet <laughs> take it, re- re-read it right go back through cuz I, I i when we speak honestly as as human beings it's important to recognize that that compassion and love are, are verbs and they're not necessarily our instincts and that's okay right but that we we work to be something better and that like you said it takes work sometimes
0: mm-hmm. all set it, it it just does and and uh, we're not going to say that if if a person's uh, motivations or priorities are different uh, you know and, and that could just be a personality style uh, that someone doesn't want to invest that much in things around them and that's not a knock on anybody uh, it's 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 instances like this. It's instances like going to Bellacino's Pizza last Saturday night, and, uh, seeing a new, uh, uh, you could tell, well, sorry, we were frequent flyers there, uh, but we could tell there was a new hostess, uh, that was uncomfortable. And so, uh, we get there and some customer, uh, like you said, everybody is someone's son or daughter. That's the way I like to think of it. Yeah. And so, oh, my God, we get we pull in there it's this nice family joint. And, uh, man, some customer uh, is going off on this poor hostess and she's just shuddering. And, and, and I don't even know what the issue was. But seriously, when you step back, what in the world could have happened in a pizza place that could have warranted someone going off on somebody?
1: And seriously. if you step back again, then it's my concern: is what if what what are they going through that's really bothering them? Like, True. is there yes. some big issue here that these people have that they would take it out on a yeah right
0: a, the, the, a nineteen year old girl seriously? Yeah. That's just smiling. How can I help you? Uh, those are the things that are askew, and um, and. We have to, I mean, trying the the interventions ex post facto is what most of the world ends up trying to do. I just, man, I hope we can get in there. And I'm sure sociologists are going to have, right now they must be having a heyday on trying to, to evaluate human behavior. And probably in 40, 25, 30 years there will be some phenomenological thing that's identified from what we've had with
2: COVID. Jeff, I I think I can fix compassion in America with a single policy. You ready for it? I got the golden ticket. The
0: golden ticket. You've got Willy Wonka and Charlie Bucket and the golden ticket? (laughs) The golden ticket. Charlie Bucket? (laughs) He got the golden ticket. what's his last name Bucket? Yeah, oh, I sure didn't enough. That. Sorry, That's man. Weird. I I like
2: classic movies. And he, um, the the golden ticket. I've got it now. Jared and I have talked about this on previous podcasts before. In some countries, when you get out of high school, you have to serve some time in the military. I suggest a version of that in America. Only instead of serving in the military, you have to serve in like the food industry for a year, (laughs) for a year. And we'll compensate you whatever the going rate is that year so you can experience working at that pay level as well because people with their food are insane. So giving you a year of being on that side of it would, I would hope, inform you going into your adulthood and throughout the rest of your adulthood, recalling back. Uh, I would – because I would imagine serving in the military for a year would fix some patriotism in your brain for the remainder of your life. You have total granular appreciation for what they went through. Let's put them in the food industry for a year. Oh, man. And then when they come on out, they're going to be a different human being. We'll break them down. Because mm. <laughs> that year is going to feel – I worry like, they're going to come out bitter though and even <laughs> <laughs> angrier. <laughs> it would be an interesting thing to study like how former servers tip other servers compared yeah. to – because you know I, I will saying this as much jeff uh, your father correct oh yeah yes. two daughters Wonderful. so i will say especially service when you have kids in a restaurant good service when you have kids
0: mm-hmm.
2: take all my money i will bankrupt myself tipping you because that is just that it is so difficult anyways existing mm-hmm. with kids in this world
1: mm-hmm. so uh i like to kind of challenge our listeners a little bit too so what I'd like is to get some homework from you uh, what can our listeners do what what's a suggestion what's a homework item that you give them uh, to exercise kindness Does that make sense what I'm asking let's let's put a challenge out there yeah. to make
0: um, I would I really would encourage everybody to f- really evaluate what their priorities are. And, uh, exactly what are your priorities and where does volunteerism or where does, uh, just broadening your awareness to those around you as you're walking down the hall or walking in the mall or driving, um, when I was a new employee when I was just
2: hired, uh one of the instructors that came and spoke to us was then just com instructor, James Ackerman. Oh and my his recommendation, just what you should do when you're a new faculty member, he said, Don't eat in your office, which is a pledge I have yeah I break repeatedly. But he said, Don't eat in your office. When you're eating lunch, eat it out in the atrium or somewhere out where you can happen upon other people.
0: Yeah. Um Jared Uh, and this is, this will sound a little hokey. Uh, Andrew, I'm not even looking at you because I'm afraid you'll shoot me on this one. Uh, again, going back to, um, a Christmas carol. Can we can, this is the homework. Can we carry whatever little bit extra of happiness or joy or lightheartedness that we carry during the holidays? Can we just carry that through the month of January? Not all the way through the year, but yeah. Can you, can you remember what that's like? And can we, can we hold that a little bit more dearer? And, uh, I hope people will watch a Christmas carol, whatever version. There's like seven of them, you know, and I hope people will watch that. Akin to it's a wonderful life. Uh, I really like the Muppet version, (laughs) the Muppet version, Uh, we really, oh my goodness! I feel so privileged to be here and be able to say this. We really have it pretty good, don't we? Yeah, don't we? Yeah. So cosmic lottery for sure. Uh, I I love that. I, I've not heard that. I just, I just, I should, yeah. We yeah. are. It is a a, a t- we're a twist of fate. We're a <laughs> breath. We're six seconds. We're point 06 seconds. Uh, when I jumped off of a bridge when I was little, why in the world didn't I hit that, uh, under kind of that under rock cliff that was under there? Why did I miss it? And, and I still remember the beating I took from my mom, but, uh, you know, I shouldn't have done it, but how, why did I miss that? And, and many people that I have worked with over my years that, uh, why did they hit it and why they had, you know, spinal cord injury for the rest of their lives? How did, why was i why was i spared you were deter, you were destined to be on this podcast that's why. <laughs> 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 oh i just hope i haven't doomed your podcast i think
2: what's doomed you is siding with mr Ed. oh yeah. well this is andrews personal stance. this is the
0: this is my cross to carry yeah. i tell you what i will do some homework and i will I will do further investigation upon the strengths uh, of Gumby. Now I you remember that.
2: Remember, you know what you just I did. You exercise compassion with me. Just a, <laughs> I came at you with guns blazing. Oh my
0: gosh, but Gumby. I mean, I was born in 1963. When did Gumby come out? Around there. Like I know. It, yeah.
1: But Mr. Ed
2: wasn't far after, or was he before?
0: Mr. Ed was had, in to, the be 50s, had right? to be before. Had He's yeah. in the
2: fifties.
1: So also uh, so
2: Gumby has the age advantage too. We haven't mentioned the. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the I s- thought you were going to mention something like. Sorry, Jared. I thought you were going to mention something like Mr. Bill. And uh, oh, people that often phenomenon. confuse Mr. Ed with Mr. Bill yeah. on the show, though, and, and yeah. talk about Mr. Bill.
1: That was the Saturday Night Live oh, my goodness, character, that right? Was
0: just the Clay guy. That was so innovative. It was just a riot, mm. you know. And I don't know if people still think that's funny anymore, you know. <laughs> I guess my generation does, fellas.
2: True humor <laughs> is timeless. Like, uh, who's on first? Still good. Mm-hmm. still good. Still good. Still good. Still good. Still good writing.
1: Yeah. And there's all these, like, versions of that I still catch now and then that people kind of rewrite and mm-hmm. you can recognize as Yes, absolutely.
0: As a, hey. I wanted to say one thing, and this is just uh, again. I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my time at OTC. Mm. Every day, I remember when we were all an intact family and we'd have dinner, and uh, my children were being socialized by uh, public education, and they'd come home at dinner and they'd say, "Daddy, how was your day?" And without fail. And this is this is the absolute truth. Without fail, I could say to them every day, and I can still say it today, working here and being able to do my job, I not only get to do something good every day on for somebody else, I get to do something great. Seriously, in the scheme of things. And so I just uh, I want to say what a what a wonderful opportunity to talk with you all and, and to kind of share with one another. And I know the passions, that, or the passion that you all have for doing your job, isn't it a great place to work where you can do what you need to do to to get to be effective or try to be effective. Isn't that the coolest thing? So I really
1: I really like the the I don't know if I'm always misquoting it but what i take from it the mission of the college that idea of of transforming the lives of students in our community all mm-hmm. right that's that's huge
0: you're doing it you're doing it you well, are
1: well jeff we we've learned a lot today uh about uh uh a little bit about dickens uh, uh <laughs> a lot about kindness uh uh about your grandfather what was his name
0: Oh, R. T. Johnson. R. T. Johnson never didn't know what the R. T. was. Seriously. Oh, you still don't? No, still, I think that was his initials. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that weird? It's a little. It just yeah. it just kind of shot my story all to heck. <laughs> but anyway, R. T. I call my sister right now. Hey, what does R. T. stand for? Uh, I think it was just what his initials were.
2: Honestly, I think initial
0: names are kind of cool, anyways. Uh, yeah. 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 1916 or whenever he's born, we're going to call him R T. Well, I didn't know that, Andrew, how about you? <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, oh my. Now you do. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sir.